Thank you so much, Dick and Darren, for leading us in service, Ruth and the music team for leading us in songs, and also Kevin and uh, Jesse, in representation of the medical missions that bring reports to us. A very special welcome to those who are new and first time joining us. We are doing a topical series on Christmas, and um, a very warm welcome to those who have come back from overseas. And uh, because you are there, either you are studying there, you stayed there, and you are on holiday here, we a special warm welcome to you. And also, those who stubbornly refused not to go away. So thank you so much, a very warm welcome to you as well. And so if you would like to take down notes, uh, there is um, an outline in the bulletin. Uh, you may just want to turn to it and uh, just keep your Bibles open. <clears throat> so during World War II, Corrie Ten Boom and family harbored hundreds of Jews to protect them from arrest by Nazi authorities. Betrayed by a fellow Dutch citizen, her entire family was imprisoned. She was a Holocaust survivor who started a rehab center for concentration camp survivors as a global ministry to preach what? To preach the power of forgiveness. And it was remembered by her at the age of 80, after she has preached one Sunday in Copenhagen, two young nurses invited her to the apartment for lunch. So Corey, out of goodwill, went with them, only to discover that they lived on the 10th floor. So what about the 10th floor? Apparently, that place that the two nurses stayed has got no elevator. So how many of us below 80 years old take the steps here? Not many, I presume. Well, well, she didn't think she didn't think she could climb the stairs, but as the nurses were so eager for a visit, she decided to try it. Huh? By the fifth floor, Corey's heart was pounding, her breath was gasping for air, and her legs were buckling. She collapsed in the chair on the landing, thinking she could go no further. And she complained bitterly to God. And looking upward, the stairs seemed to be a stairway to early entry to heaven for her. <laughs> but somehow, somehow, God seemed to whisper that a special blessing awaited her on the 10th floor. So she bravely pressed on, one nurse in front and another behind. And so finally reaching the apartment, Corey found there the parents of one of the girls. She soon discovered that neither parent was Christian, but both were eager to hear the gospel. And so opening her Bible, Corey carefully explained the plan of salvation and added to it, I have traveled more than 60 countries and have never found anyone who said, they were sorry they had given their lives or their hearts to Jesus. You will not be sorry either. And that day, both prayed to receive Christ into their lives. And on the way down the steps, Corey said, Thank you, Lord, for making me walk up all these steps. Now, can we agree it is commendable for an 80-year-old to climb 10 flights of stairs? Yes. If it is commendable, then the following Bible verses which you have read 
we are looking into will fill you with awe and wonderment. Why so? Precisely because that is how far God is willing or God was willing to go for humankind to come down from heaven to earth for you and I. So we need to be sober and be amazed of how God is willing to go the distance to save undeserved sinners like you and I by the coming of Christ. And by being awed and amazed as to how far God goes for us, I pray we, you and I, emulate the humility of Christ solely to do the will of His Father. And so a little bit background here. So the context of this uh, book, the Philippians or this chapter, informs us that the Apostle Paul exalts the Philippians' believers to be united in love and, hum and humble as exemplified by Christ's service. Such then is the hallmark of believers. And so, the call to the Philippian believers to the mystery and wonder of Christ begins with the mind of Christ. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And in the New International Version, it says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, whether it is attitude or mind, the thrust is that the believer's mind need to reflect on the proper model of who to follow and how to behave. That is if life is to live for God. This is a consistent theme where we see the likes of Timothy and Epaphroditus who are held out as examples in the later verses of this chapter. If you are there in your electronic Bibles, you can just scroll down. And also earlier mentioned that the Philippian church was to be one mind, united by love, humble, and looking out for the interests of the others. Now, all this can only come about from, from understanding the awe-inspiring example that Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. And so, last year, 2018, October, we invited Jason Wong who sh to share his personal experience of outreach in the marketplace. For those who do not know who Jason Wong is, well, he was a deputy director of prisons, while at the same time serving with his church ministry to the prisoners. And so on one Easter, in one of the prison chapels his church team attended, he did something unthinkable, a person of his stature and position. Now remember, he's a deputy director of prisons. He is also known to all the inmates as a senior high-ranking officer. Imagine he took a basin of water <coughs> and washed the feet of inmates. Yeah, right? You can actually hear, sir, boy, silence, sir, boy, silence. It means, sir, you can't do this, sir, because of who you are. Almost like Peter, the apostle, feeling very undeserved and unworthy when Jesus washed 
wanted to wash his feet, that kind of scenario. But if Pastor Chris does that to me, I will ask him to bathe me also. <clears throat> anyway, I am certain that if any highly esteemed and important person that you know who does that to you, how would you feel? I'm very sure you will feel very undeserving at best and unworthy at worst. And the dear brother in Christ who I'm known, who had his feet washed, teared up, felt unworthy. Is this how you and I respond to Christ being God coming down from heaven to earth to save sinners like you and me? I pray so. I pray so. And if you haven't yet, you must be very busy living for yourselves. I suggest you take some time to ponder this truth. And I guarantee when it dawns on you, your life will change. Remarkably, Christ did not imagine that having equality with God, something which he already possessed, should lead him to hold on to his privileges at all costs. It was not something to be grabbed, something to be kept, something to be exploited for his own benefit or advantage. Instead, he had a mindset of service. Christ did not please himself. In humility, he counted the interests of you and I, he counted the interests of others as more significant than his own. Doesn't this strike at your heart? Now there's more to it. There's more to it in that he, Christ, made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Now made himself nothing or emptied himself has caused much controversy. In the original Greek word, kanoo, can mean empty, pour out, or also metaphorically speaking, give up one's status and privilege. Does this mean that Christ temporarily relinquishes divine attributes during his earthly ministry? Now, this theory of Christ's gnosis or self-emptying is not in accord with the context of Philippians or with early Christian theology. You must understand that Paul is not saying that Christ became less than God or gave up some divine attributes. He is not even commenting directly on the question of whether Jesus was fully omnipotent or omniscient during his time on earth. Nor is he saying that Christ ever gave up being in the form of God. Rather, Paul is stressing that Christ who had all the position and the privileges that were rightly him as king of the universe, gave them up to become an ordinary Jewish baby bound for the cross. Christ emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, while he had every right to stay comfortably where he was, in a position of power, it is his love that drove him to a position of weakness for the sake 
of sinful mankind. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by Christ's poverty, might become rich. So says a verse from another book of the Bible. And so, the emptying consisted of him becoming man, or becoming human, not of his giving up any part of his true deity. And in the words of John Stott, a pastor and also a Christian theologian, he, says, he said this, Jesus would derive his humanity and messiahship from his mother, who conceived and bore him. But Jesus will derive his sinlessness and his divine nature from the Holy Spirit who overshadowed Mary. And in light of the New Testament theology, Jesus descended from Adam by his birth, but he will be constituted the new Adam, the head of the new humanity by the creative spirit's work in his conception. And as a result of the virgin birth, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, the divine and the human elements you see, simultaneously, Jesus is both Mary's son and God's son. Jesus was both human and divine. He was both the Davidic Messiah, descended from Davidic according, uh, David according to the flesh, and sinless saviour of sinners an absolutely unique person because of his absolutely unique birth. One personality, two natures, Godhead and manhood. And because God is omnipotent, that meaning all-powerful, he could have done it other ways, but he chose to do it this way. And as we consider the virgin birth, it seems reasonable and appropriate that the unique person should enter the world in this unique way. Aren't you amazed by this spiritual conception and natural birth? Only God can do. Only God can do. And as if God the Son would take on the human form isn't enough, Jesus went much farther and being found in human form, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. See, crucifixion was not a simply convenient way of executing prisoners. It was an utterly pub public display of what? Public display of shame and degradation of one's personhood. This is the Romans' way of inflicting the ultimate punishment. The excruciating physical pain was magnified by degrading and humiliation or humiliating the person. No other form of death, no matter how prolonged or physically agonizing, could match crucifixion as an absolute destruction of the person. So I want to ask you, have you experienced the loss of your personhood before? I pray you don't have to, but I have. 
I've never felt so humiliated and so degraded as a person when my physical being was violated for reasons of suspected concealment of substances in my body. You ask the professionals, they will tell you that the physical violations results will result usually in mental and emotional trauma. So sometimes when you see me a bit crazy, you must understand. But if not for my God-given faith in Christ, I highly believe won't be who I am today. Forgiven much, love much. And that's how real the message and meaning of the cross God reveals. Now, someone forwarded a text which tells how real death is to one boy. And it goes like this. Brohan was a very dull boy. His peers called him names like Bodo Gundu. Bodo Gundu means stupid and stupider. So when he was in a Muslim school, he got the following results. Math, 2%. English, 5% out of 100. Science, bring home a dark egg, social sciences, 1%. And later on, his parents put him, take him, took him out from a Muslim school and put him in a government school, and the result shows even worse. I pray that our government schools is not like that. Right? And you can see. And in, his parents were very disappointed. I mean, if you are a parent, you definitely be very disappointed, right? Anyway, the parents decided to put him in a mission school. And the first term, Burhan passed and was the first in class. And this was the result. That is a very far jump, right? So as a parent, what do you, how would we feel? How would you respond? Hey, you cheat, nah? right? How can zero go to 90? Definitely you would be suspicious of your child. Nah? But you know, his parents was pleased. But yet at the same time, has questions and they cannot believe. So they asked Brohan how he managed to pass. And this is what Brohan said. He was in the mission school. Huh? When I saw a man kneel on the cross, I knew that these teachers don't joke with students here. <laughs> now, so light-hearted, so light-hearted in its conveyance, it carries a serious message that this act of cruelty is the ultimate counterpoint to the divine majesty of the pre-existent Christ. And thus, was the ultimate expression of Christ's obedience to the Father. This is real death for real sin to give us real hope. Aren't you convinced yet? Precisely because of Jesus' humility, this became the grounds for his exaltation. Can you see that by humbling himself on the cross, he demonstrated that he truly shared the divine nature of God. And what is the divine nature of God? It is, you tell me, the divine nature of God is love. And for these reasons, or therefore, God raised him to life highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And 
What is the name that is above every name? You tell me. It is J-E-S-U-S. He's the king of my life. You can clap along with me. Come on. J-E-S-U-S. He's the king of my life. Oh, he frees my soul from sin. Set the Holy Ghost within. J-E-S-U-S. He's the king of my life. All right, thank you so much. That name, Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, is the name that every knee must bow. So Jesus, the eternal God, of, Son of God, is highly exalted, highly exalted a status and bestowed authority that had not been his before he became incarnate as both God and man, right? Now, last time when I used to read this in a different version, I would have thought the exaltation means he goes to the highest place, which is in heaven, but not necessarily so, because now he came down as a man, emptied himself of all his position and privileges. Isn't it right when he was raised again, he is now, he is now exalted, to a status and also bestowed authority as God-man. What is the difference between Jesus coming down and now Jesus going up to heaven? The difference is that when Jesus came down, he came down as God's son. But when he went up, he went up as son of God. You know the difference now? That's heavy, right? There's something for us to learn, something for us to learn. So aren't you dumbfounded yet? You know what, friends? In this messy and crazy world, we sure need Jesus as he is the only hope of our nations. And so while Christ now bears the divine name Yahweh, that is Lord, he is still worshipped with his human name, Jesus, since it was in the flesh that he most clearly displayed the glory, the divine glory to the world. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now this astounding union of Jesus' divine and human nature is reinforced by by a reference taken from Isaiah, in the very words it says, every knee should bow and every tongue confessed. And in the context of Isaiah, it refers exclusively to Yahweh. And the fact that these words can now be applied to God's messianic agent, Jesus Christ is Lord, shows that Jesus is fully divine. But the worship of Jesus as Lord is not the final word. Jesus' ascension also results in the glory of the Father. God gives Jesus messianic dominion over all creation. Where we see that? In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And everyone will one day rightly give praise to Him as their Lord. And when His kingdom reaches its fullness, 
Jesus does not keep the glory for himself. Instead, the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. And so, the ultimate glory goes to God. This, my friends, is the fuller version of the Christmas narrative. And as the year comes to a close, we cannot allow for 2019 to go off without a spiritual audit of our lives. True? And one good way is to ask ourselves this question. Am I more like Christ? And so in application, I pull out four. First, how far would you go to love one another, especially the undeserved? I remembered when the theme went to Taiwan in 2011 for a short-term mission in support and to encourage our missionary Sydney during Christmas time. So one of the nights, we went out caroling with a group of volunteers from Bible colleges, from various churches and Christian organizations. And while we were walking about in an area outside the temple where the social misfits hung out, suddenly from our group, a lady greeted a young man, obviously unkempt and not bathed for I don't know how long. His hair was like, you know, uh, you know the, the Jamaican Rastafaran. Uh, in Chinese, cannot have that kind of hair, you know. So you can see the hair sticking together, and that's how long perhaps he's not bathed. And, you know, this lady just rushed to this young man and just gave him, gave him a hug and said, Yaso Ailea, Yaso Ailea, meaning to say, Jesus loves you. That is in Taiwanese Hokkien or Minanyi. And started chatting like old acquaintance, showing genuine concern for his well-being. What I witness is nothing short of unhindered love. Unhindered love for the marginalized that works within this woman's heart. And later I found out that she is the wife of a pastor Lao who runs Operation Dawn. And Operation Dawn reaches out to needy folks, especially addicts. Perhaps you and I were sitting here very comfortably, we may not necessarily reach out to the marginalized, right? But maybe we take baby steps to show love, beginning here. One year almost gone, 2019. I just want to ask you, how well do you know the person sitting beside you, left and right? The person in front and behind you? Because we are creatures of habit. We always sit at almost the same place, most of us at least. I just want to ask you, the, the, the last time I remembered, we are all the marginalized because Jesus has got to come down to save sinners like you and I. So let's show love to one another and not just pass each other without saying hi without giving a smile, no matter what your situation is. Lah. Everybody seated here has got problems, lah, true? 
We may not necessarily have financial problems. We may not necessarily have employment problems. I have a lot of medical problems lately. From knee to heart to kidney, now to my liver. I'm almost dying already, no? So you have to come out and say hello to me more, smile more, so that my ministry can keep on going and going. Spread on by your love for me because of your love for Jesus Christ. Amen? Can you all do that to one another? 2019 is coming to a close. Let us take baby steps, small steps. Can? That is how far at least we can go to show love for one another beginning this church. And more and more, as you have noticed and witnessed, the baptism of new people previously was more of the teaching. It is still the teaching, but more and more people coming up to say that they have been much warmly welcomed and much warmly greeted and much warmly loved. So we want, or God is pleased, when His people, beginning with the family of ARPC, show that kind of overflowing love to one another. Can? I pray that we do. Next, how willing are you to obey God? So you have heard this week as a church, we sent off four missions teams to Mian, Myanmar, Davao, and Taiwan, right? And there are one team that came back already, and um, Jesse and Kevin, they just brought report from the medical missions. And especially the Mian team, who comprises of the basic youth and leaders. Now, why would they even go when it is school holidays, right? right? I'm, I mean, they could be spending their time relaxing and enjoying the holidays, catching up with friends and doing their own styles. Now, youth and leaders, right, as we or I at least know, we are used to bathing with heater at home, right? This time we had a very chilly, you know? And I found out that they were staying in this place where there is no such thing as a hot bath. That weather in Mian, I heard, can drop to a single digit in the cool of the morning. And I want to believe they went in obedience just like their Lord Jesus. And even some of our folks that went from the other team, they have their once-a-year holiday with family, guess where? They have their once-in-a-year holiday with family in the mission field. And we must really stand and support. This is what I wrote yesterday. We must really stand and support. But after hearing from Kevin and from Jesse and from... We not only stand and support, we as a church should step up. We should step up and support in any way we can and be crisis ambassadors. Amen? So 2020, really, the missions committee will be very busy organizing for your mission trip. So let's see. I pray that this will be realized in this church. Thirdly, how far would you go to serve? Now, few, very few of us who are high achievers would want anything to do with the marginalized, if my guess is correct, yeah? But the Mercy Ministry presence, however, bends that trend and have quite a few high achievers who goes in and out of prison. Doing what? 
sharing the transforming, life-transforming gospel, sharing their time, sharing their talent, and also sharing their treasure too. And some of the inmates, you must realize, some of the inmates they sit with could even be someone who have betrayed them before. Yet their humility to forgive follows that of our Lord Jesus Christ. How willing or how far would you go to serve? Lastly, how willing are you to give up your comforts? I don't know about you whether you are aware or not amongst my colleagues were scholars. Why would they give up a lucrative and promising career to become church worker and missionaries if not for the reality that dawns upon their heart of the grand plan of God being much bigger than the world has to offer? And so last night, after preaching, this lady, our church member, name is Catherine, She's a GP, and she shared with me in her own ways. She's reaching out, and she gives out Bibles to her patients. And last night, she brought her niece, one of her niece, one of her nieces, right? And she said to me, Pastor, my niece is ready to receive Jesus. What a big encouragement to me. This is the biggest and best Christmas gift. And we must, you must resonate with me. Why so? Because as believers, when one sinner is saved, the whole heavenly host, much more in numbers than all of us, three services plus Bishan's congregation combined, the whole heavenly host rejoices. And so if I share with you that one sinner who is willing to accept Jesus into her life, we all must rejoice together. Amen? Are you a so sober? <laughs> Often many of us, after being saved, we are very comfortable. Yes? If you are honest to yourself. We mustn't. God in Christ have the comforts of heaven to reign and to rule. But he came down, leaving behind his comfort. And so must we. So in conclusion, remember the story of Corrie Tambum having to walk 10 flights of steps which she nearly gave up and somehow fortitude given her to finally climb the remaining stairs, shed the gospel and save two lives? Well, she later quipped after everything and she said this to God. Next time, Lord, help me, Corrie Tan Boom, listen to her own sermon about willing to go anywhere you tell me to go, even up ten flights of steps. May God in his rich mercy and grace bless us with a life changing 
and transforming Christmas this year. Let us pray. What God goes so far as to come down from heaven to earth to save sinful mankind. Only that of your great love manifested in your son's obedience, humility and service. May this Christmas be not the same as the previous in that I pray you illumine our heads and our hearts to the wonderful mystery and wonder to what you have purposed and willed in Jesus so that we respond with having the mind and the mannerism exemplified by Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord. In his name we pray.